the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This authority as we begin at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Thursday, the 21st morning of the third month of the year of our Lord, 2019. We are loaded up today. We've got some very, very interesting guests that we are going to be talking to, and it's going to start um, uh, in about a half an hour, actually, as uh, I welcome uh, uh, my friend Ron Zarnecki to the program. Ron is organizing a big event this weekend that I would like you to consider being a part of on Saturday, Saturday afternoon. A uh, kind of a convention of conservatives. Uh, it's really, really a great event. Uh, there's going to be a lot of great uh, conservative groups represented there. It's going to be held in North Royalton. I'm going to tell you all about it with Ron Zarnacki uh, coming up, at, and I'll be I'll be speaking at this event uh, on Saturday. And then at 10:05, the return of Dr. Everett Piper, president at Oklahoma Wesleyan University. He's going to be joining us to talk uh, about a host of issues concerning the college admission scandals and more having to do with higher education. So Dr. Piper, who's a regular guest, but he was off last week due to meetings, he is going to be back on with us coming up at the top of our number two. I'm going to start. i got two things that I want to do here in this first uh, two, three segments of the program. Number one, I want to talk about the attack on middle America, the attack on the heartland of this country by the coastal elites who want you, and that's right, we are part of that heartland here in what is still considered the Midwest. Um, we don't matter. We're not smart enough. We're not advanced enough. We're not evolved enough to understand things on the level at which the coastal elites understand things. We here in the heartland need to recognize our place Know your place, stay in your lane, let us run the country, say the Manhattanites and the Los Angelinos. The East Coast, the Left Coast, widely, wildly, rather, wildly liberal and progressive, and completely and openly disdainful of rural America, particularly flyover heartland America. That's why one of the most, one of the loudest cries from the mass of Democrat presidential candidates, and even those who are not running, but of course are supporting others who are running, that's why one of the loudest cries have been take the vote away from the red state, red state heartland portion of America. They don't know what they're doing, these country bumpkins, these farmers, these miners. These people don't know what the hell they're doing, these oil drillers. They don't get to make the decisions. They're not Ivy educated the way we are. They're not Stanford educated the way they are on the left coast. Bunch of farmers with pitchforks, what they are. They don't understand. They don't even understand what's being done to them by the evil Republicans 
and Satan himself, Donald Trump. They don't get it. We have to make sure that we make the decisions. And it'll be in their best interest. We're trying to help them, after all. This is why you are hearing those loud cries for the abandonment of uh, and the abolishing of the Electoral College and a, uh, a move to the popular vote to decide the presidency. Now, we'll set aside for just a moment the obvious reason why the left wants to put aside the Electoral College in favor of the popular vote. Because they can't beat Donald Trump using the actual uh, founding father's method of electing uh, presidents in this country. They can't do it under the current rules. They can't do it under the rules that we have had in this country for uh, 200 years. There's nobody in that field that's going to beat Donald Trump. With the economy doing what it's doing, with jobs coming back at the rate that they are, with wages rising at the rate that they are, with unemployment falling, with more and more people participating, with factories revitalized. Bottom line is, Heartland America recognizes Rural America appreciates those things. Rural America is responsible for those things. Donald Trump didn't go into the heartland and make those things happen. He just removed the barriers so that they could do it themselves through deregulation and lower taxes of corporations. The opportunity for people to advance on their own is all most of them have ever asked for. Just stay out of the way, government. Donald Trump has helped that to happen. They can't be. Look at that Look at that mass of humanity in the pod primary right now. The pod, of course, being the party of death, also known as the demon rat party. Look at the massive humanity of people running forward, charging ahead to try to challenge Donald Trump. There's not a winner in that group. That's why, according to most Democrat surveys, their favorite candidate is a non-declared candidate, Joe Biden. They know that none of the uh, far-left extremist nut jobs in that group already of let's all embrace AOC's a Green New Deal idea, they know none of them are going to beat Donald Trump. they got to hope that Joe Biden can beat Donald Trump. That's why they're trying to draft him into this race. And he is considering, according to recent reports, uh, announcing a run for the presidency with his vice president already picked out, Stacey Abrams, which they are saying on the Democrat side will show a lot of diversity and counter the Joe Biden is just an old white guy, which is what the Democrat Party is trying to get away from. So you bring a black female, 45 years old, Politically popular because, well, she loves the same thing that most of the far left loves, that Joe Biden doesn't represent. It's actually a pretty uh, it's a pretty strategic idea for the Democrats. Joe Biden is one of the more moderate leftists. Now, that it sounds like a contradiction in terms. It's not. He's one of the more moderate leftists. And he doesn't represent a lot of the AOC mentality. But Stacey Abrams does. 
So you get the more moderate, democratically appealing candidate like uh, Joe Biden, and then you get the wild, far-left, progressive, I think illegal immigrants should be able to vote, uh, AOC-style vice presidential candidate Stacey Abrams, and we got the best of both worlds. That's what they're hoping for. But they know they're going to have a whale of time trying to uh, defeat Donald Trump. Look at the story from last week in Forbes. President Trump's policy magic wand has boosted manufacturing jobs in the first 26 months of his presidency over Obama's last 26 months of his presidency by what? 20%? Surely you jest. By 40%? Don't make me laugh. By 60-70%? Please stop. President Trump's policies have boosted manufacturing jobs in his first 26 months in office over Obama's last 26 months in office by 399%. I did not misspeak. The numbers are all sourced and documented at Forbes.com. I'll use the toxic Twitter platform to send that out so that you can see it for yourself. 399%. They can't beat him unless they change the game. Unless they take the vote away from those heartland hillbillies unless they take the Electoral College away from those in rural America who don't know what the heck they're doing, and they're going to continue to vote for Trump out there. So we, got, we know we got more of them in, DC, or in, uh, in uh, uh, New York City. We got more of us than there are of them in L.A. and San Francisco. We got more of them than there are, or more of us than there are of them in Chicago. So let's go popular vote. Take their rural votes away from them. And this, my friends, has become an obsession for the American left, particularly for the New York Times. What got me on this today is an article that I read actually two days ago in the New York Times from Paul Krugman. Paul Krugman, of course, is the New York Times... uh, opinion writer, the op-ed opinion editorialist who uh, predicted before Donald Trump took office that the United States was going to go into an immediate recession because Donald Trump didn't know what he was doing uh, with the economy. He said that everything was going to crash and burn. The United States economy was going to go into not a recession, a depression, 1929 style, and instead we burst forward with 4% growth. (laughs) And it's... uh, it ought to just kind of, you know, disqualify this guy from ever writing anything that we should take seriously again. But I had to take this seriously because of what he wrote. Headlined, Getting Real About Rural America. Nobody knows how to reverse the heartland's decline, says Paul Krugman in the New York Times. I'm going to read portions of this to you about what he thinks of heartland America, rural America and about how concerned he is for them. 
And by that, of course, I mean concerned about how to turn them away from Donald Trump and to their side. Give them one last chance to turn away from the mistake that they made in 2016 before we take that chance away from them by removing and abolishing the Electoral College. I'm going to share that with you after the, the, the uh, traffic we're about to go into. But did I mention that this is an obsession with the New York Times? I googled the phrase, oh, and I'm sorry, I'm getting away from Google. I really am. It's important, by the way. Google, ever since I talked <laughs> about uh, uh, technocracy with Patrick Wood a few weeks ago, get away from Google. Do not allow them to get into your life. It is very dangerous. I searched, because we've, we've come to use Google as a verb, obviously. I searched the term, the terms New York Times, op-ed, rural America. The results are staggering. Wait until you see what term turns up on a search engine with the phrase New York Times op-ed rural America. I'll share that with you on the other side of the traffic as well. This is extraordinarily important. What the leftists on the coasts of the United States are trying along with Chicago, we'll throw that there in the middle of the, of the country, but obviously in a very different way. But what the um, largest cities filled with progressives in the United States think of rural America, of heartland America, of flyover America, and what they're going to try to do to diminish your ability to have a say in the outcome of the next presidential election. I'll share that with you coming right up on AM 1420. Attention, social justice warriors. If you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended, this isn't it. This is the Bob France Authority. On AM 1420, The Answer. That is indeed correct. Uh, Let's talk about rural America as the New York Times and the coastal elite see it, as Paul Krugman sees it. First of all, to the search results that I told you about before the break. Put in the uh, search terms New York Times or NYT, op-ed, rural America. And it is amazing how obsessed the New York Times is with this issue. They know how important, how crucial, how integral it is for them to turn rural America around from its backwards, Bible-clutching, gun-clinging ways in order to embrace what those evolved individuals on the coasts already understand. Otherwise, we're just going to have to shut them out and don't give them votes at all. Take away the Electoral College, we'll just outnumber them on the coast and we win. Here's what you get in the research results. Getting real about rural America. That's the first New York Times result because that's the most recent one that we're going to share with you. The hard truths of trying to save the rural American economy. Go home to your dying hometown in rural America. These are all New York Times pieces. What, that, what Democrats need to know to win rural America, which of course is the, the key of all, to all of this and the, the, the core of it all. Uh, Small-town America is dying. How can we save it? Why rural America voted for Trump, the New York Times. How Democrats can win in rural America, part two. How to revive small-town America. Panicking in rural America. And for whatever reason, the last one on just the first page, I'm going to stop here. An English sheep farmer's view of rural America in the New York Times, March 1st, 2017. 
Uh, and uh, I can tell you the first line is, I was shocked by the signs of decline I saw in rural America. In other words, rural America is falling apart. And how come these bumpkins don't know any better than to vote for Donald Trump again? This is what the, the left and the New York Times thinks of rural America. Rural Americans, heartland America, flyover America, our America. There's nothing wrong with discussing these issues, writes Paul Krugman. Rural lives matter. We're all Americans, and we deserve to share in the nation's wealth. Rural votes matter even more, like it or not. Our political system gives hugely disproportionate weight to less populous states, which are also generally states with relatively rural populations. In other words, you bumpkins don't deserve an equal say in who runs the country compared to what we deserve. There's more of us in New York City than there are of you in all of these heartland states combined. You shouldn't have an equal say. We in the city should decide the policies that are best for you in your farming and, and oil drilling and, and coal mining, et cetera, et cetera, part of America. Krugman writes, politically, rural America is increasingly a world apart. For example, overall U.S. public opinion is increasingly positive toward immigrants. But rural Americans, many of whom rarely encounter immigrants in their daily lives, have a vastly more negative view. You see, rural America, this is what the coastal elites in the New York Times think of you. You are bigots. You're racists. You have a problem with immigrants, they say. Mind you, they always leave out the modifier. They always leave out the modifier. Take a survey of rural America and ask them how they feel about immigrants. Then take another survey and throw the modifier in. Illegal, before the word immigrants. You're going to see two vastly different numbers. But they won't report that. They'll just say immigrants. One word no modifier, and thus, rural Americans, Trump-supporting red state, fly over rural America is a bunch of bigots. That's why they shouldn't have the Electoral College. That's why they shouldn't have an equal say in who runs the government. Leave it to us. We've been educated in the Ivies. We've been educated at the Stanfords, the USC's, the UCLA's, the Cal Berkeley's. We know what is better, because we're inclusive. I got much more on this, and then I want to get your reaction to it right after the news on AM fourteen twenty fifth. There are two sides to every story. There's the mainstream media side, and then there's the truth. You are experiencing the truth. The Bob France Authority on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Nine thirty five. Now we continue on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. So Paul Krugman, the New York Times with yet another in a long list of, of op-eds about rural America as they either try to, A, delegitimize and marginalize rural Americans because they're not on board with the views of the progressive coastal elites, or trying to win them over and trying to convince them this is why you need to vote the way we vote. Getting real about rural America. So Paul Krugman continues, politically, rural America is increasingly a world apart. For example, overall U.S. public opinion is increasingly positive toward immigrants, but rural Americans, many of whom rarely encounter immigrants in their daily lives, have a vastly more negative view. So which is, I mean, what you just heard in a tiny nutshell in a micro, is a microcosm 
of the presidential elections, both the last one and the one coming in 2020. Overall, meaning the vast number of popular votes would be pro-immigrant, not illegal immigrant, pro-immigrant. Take that to mean the vast number in terms of uh, popular vote voted for pro-open borders Hillary Clinton, right? But not in rural America where they voted for Donald Trump, which means they voted anti-immigrant. And of course, as I said in the last segment, if you ask rural America, they're not anti-immigrant, they're anti-illegal immigrant. They're pro-law, pro-American law respectful of our sovereignty. But this is their point. This is the New York Times. This is what the the leftist media wants you to understand. That in their mind, anyway, and they want you to believe that rural America is a bunch of hilljacks that don't know any better. They're a bunch of pro-white, white supremacist, anti-brown people uh, in flyover country that we need to ignore. By getting rid of the Electoral College. Ignore them and their bigotry and their non-progressive voting. Krugman writes, not, surprising, not surprisingly, rural America is also pretty much the only place where Donald Trump remains popular. Despite the damage his trade wars have done to the farm economy, his net approval is vastly higher in rural areas than it is in the rest of the country. Ding, 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 again. Look at these rubes. Look at these rubes. That's why they can't be trusted with having an equal say in who chooses the, uh, the next president. Those of us in the giant cities and states with the vast, vastly higher populations, the most densely populated areas, we are the ones who know best. We're the ones who hate Donald Trump. We're the ones who have to stop Donald Trump. These knuckleheads out here in, 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 in the hills or in the plains and in the flatlands, they don't understand anything. They, they actually still support Trump. We have to take their vote away from them. Krugman writes, so what can be done to help rural America? How can we get these, these morons to see things the right way? Quote, we can and should make sure that all Americans have good health care, access to good education, and so on wherever they live. We can try to promote economic development in lagging regions with public investment, employment subsidies, and possibly job guarantees. But as I said, experience abroad isn't encouraging. You ready for this? This is what the New York Times and the American progressive left thinks about you in rural America. Not that Cleveland is rural America. I'm using Ohio generally as part of the Midwest and part of flyover country. He writes, West Germany offered $1.7 trillion in an attempt to revive the former East Germany, more than $100,000 per capita. Yet the region is still lagging, with many young people leaving. Nor realistically can we expect aid to produce a political turnaround. Despite all that aid, in 2017, more than a quarter of East German men cast their ballots for the extreme right white nationalist alternative for Germany. You letting that sink in? West Germany is made up of progressives. West Germany is the equivalent of the American Democrat. West Germany 
tried to bring these East Germans along by giving them a bunch of money. Similarly, we could do that to rural America. But it isn't going to work because look what those East Germans did. They're like the conservative Republicans of the United States. They still cast their ballots for the extreme right white nationalist alternative for Germany. This is what they think of you, conservative Americans. This is what they think of me. We're rural. We're pro-Trump. We're um, uh, pro-small government. We're pro-lower taxation. We are pro-deregulation. And we're stupid. Because we didn't go to the schools they went to, whether they got in legitimately or bought their way in. And so... um, we don't deserve the say, the same say that they deserve in running the government. We have to go popular vote as opposed to electoral college. Krugman wraps up. I'm sure that some rural readers will be angered by everything I've just said. Gee, you think? Seeing it as typical big city condescension. Gee, you think? You just spent, what, 750 words condescending to us. Of course we're going to see it as condescension because unlike you... Uh, or, or maybe uh, as you know, unaware to you, the fact is we can read. And because we didn't go to Harvard or we didn't go to Yale, doesn't mean we don't understand what you're saying. We just fundamentally disagree with your trash. Of course we understand condescension when we read it. But that's neither my intention nor the point. I'm simply trying to get real. Get real. That's what Krugman couches his anti-rural American, anti-Trump supporter, anti-red state, anti-flyover state, dismissive of their education, dismissive of their worldview, which is this just called getting real. We can't help rural America without understanding that the role it used to play in our nation is being undermined by powerful economic forces that nobody knows how to stop. This is, well, this is what they think of you. I, I hope you're following along here. This is, I'm so glad that you know the new york times is so upfront about this usually they're very um they're very good at subterfuge uh they're very good at subtlety uh, as long as we're on those words uh they they really try to keep a lot of this hidden but sometimes they just come out and say it in plain sight we don't like you you bunch of racist redneck farmers hilljacks miners oil drillers in heartland America, we don't like you. We don't like what you stand for, and we're going to try to minimize you. You don't get to have the same say. That's why they're screaming for what? Three things. To delegitimize, and at the same time, believe it or not, disenfranchise rural American voters. Three things. One, no more electoral college. Let us, who collect by the millions on both of our uh, on both of our coasts, let us make the decisions about who runs the country and how it impacts you in all of those various areas. Number two, lower the voting age, 16. Why? Because, again, there are a hell of a lot more 16-year-olds living in our liberal cities on both coasts and in Chicago than there are on ranches and farms from Texas to Wyoming, from uh, you know, from Ohio to to uh, Arizona, there are a hell of a lot more. Excuse the language, sorry, but there are there are a lot more sixteen-year-olds here. We've got them in our public schools. 
you're doing homeschooling in a lot of these places we're talking about, and you're not letting the indoctrination take place. That's a problem. But we've got them indoctrinated in our schools. So we want 16-year-olds voting. That's number two. And number three, those quote-unquote immigrants that they constantly refer to, give them the right to vote. Nancy Pelosi wants it. She has stated it. Ocasio-Cortez wants it. She has stated it. Most recently, Kirsten Gillibrand has from American seniors who have paid into this their whole lives and we're going to reapportion some of it to illegal aliens. Just That's another little side, side note. But um, we want them to have the right to vote. Why do you think Joe Biden, again, why, why do you think the stories are, the, uh, the reports are that Joe Biden's going to enter the race any day now and he's going to come in with his running mate already selected? African-American, former Georgia gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams, who has declared, let illegal aliens vote. So first, we're going to try to take away the Electoral College. If that doesn't work, we're going to try to make sure we get you with 16-year-olds, impressionable 16-year-olds that we've got wrapped around our fingers and get them the right to vote. If that fails, illegal aliens. They've got three ways to fundamentally change the way the United States operates. Three ways. Because if they stick with the traditional model, the historical model, the founding father's model, 18-year-olds vote. Everybody gets one vote. Everybody has to prove who they are, by the way, that they are allowed to vote. And all votes go toward the Electoral College so that the electors in those states will cast their votes according to the will of the people in their states. If they go by the existing rules, they can't win. 216-901-0945, the number, 888 If you want to get in, get in. We're also going to talk to Ron Zarnacki about the Convention of Conservative Clubs coming up on Saturday. That'll be coming up soon as well, right here on AM 1420. The- All right, 950, the Bob France Authority continues on AM 1420. The answer, thanks for joining us. I want to bring Ronald Zarnecki in now. Ronald is a, a gentleman who reached out to me a while back, a few weeks ago, and said, hey, got a great event that you might be interested in. We're always talking. I am. Ron's right. I'm always talking about the need to bring more people uh, under our tent and especially to bring more young people out and uh, and to uh, share the conservative messages that so many of us have with one another. And he's put together uh, what's called a Convention of Conservative Clubs, nonpartisan opportunity for citizens to learn, to listen, and to support local high school. There's the youth part I was talking about. College uh, and community clubs and groups that promote conservative values. It's coming up on Saturday day after tomorrow, and Ron's here to tell us all about it. Ronald, good to talk to you, sir. How are you? Good morning, Bob. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for reaching out to me. Tell me how you came up with this idea of a convention of, because you know, there are a lot of great conservative clubs. You have a lot of them are going to be represented here. I've talked at, uh, spoken at many of them, uh, and I've spoken to even more of them on the radio. But, uh, you know, for everybody to kind of be splintered off, here's our club, there's their club, bringing them all together on one day, that's a great idea. How'd you come up with that? 
Well, it was, um, as you know, I'm president of the North Royalton Republican Club, and I was looking for programming the end of December, uh, history teachers, professors, book authors, anything. And I scanned the Internet, and I saw there were so many conservative clubs, organizations around the Cuyahoga County. It just made sense to get them all together. And the library was good enough with uh, a rather large conference room and anxious to have a, um event of this size there and, fact they are appreciative that we're there and it just made sense to get them all together yeah it really does make sense and you know because i think sometimes conservatives especially in more blue areas like northeast ohio in general not specifically to you know each individual city but but in general you know cogger county in northeast ohio is uh is, is you know there, there are there's not as much conservative representation maybe uh you know as there should be but moreover um, there's there's more of it than people in smaller groups might realize. And, you know, it sounds a little bit uh, oxymoronic, but it's not. There's probably a lot more conservative groups out there than people know, uh, and uh, they may feel isolated. This is a great way to bring them together. And, uh, you know, of course, we all understand there are strength in numbers, and that's, uh, and that's kind of a, a great way to show people that. Yeah, as you mentioned about the uh, uh, conservative, maybe Republican groups, groups I actually stayed away from that. We have Strongsville Republican Club coming, um, CVR from Brexville, and West Shore Republicans, but I try to stay away from Republican clubs. And if you look at the list online, you're going to see a lot of organizations that are religious, um, economic with Jim Bernacci, two environmental conservative groups that will be coming. You know how they talk about clean water, clean air? Now, what does that mean for conservatism? They're going to be coming. David Jenkins will be coming from Sturgis, Michigan, to talk about that aspect of conservative environmental sustainability. Um, I, I see you also have. I see you also have Pastor Chris Long, who's going to be a keynote yes. speaker there, who is wonderful. Every time I get a mm-hmm. chance to have Chris on this program, I bring him on because he's such a great, you know, faith leader, and also, of course, uh, uh, the president of the High Christian Alliance. That's a great guest. Mm-hmm. And Susan B. Anthony will round out to religious. Um, they're a very proactive group, underground, canvassing, doing things. Uh, so she'll be coming down to, to, to talk. And um, two constitutional groups, like, uh, the American Trinity Project, who, by the way, I did a pre-show interview. That will be running live before the actual convention. Uh, check our Facebook for the current channel, but there's two interviews that I'll be running. Uh, convention of States with Mike Mowry. He can't make the uh, convention, but he did want to do an interview, so we, we did that, and that'll be running beforehand. Uh, there's also going to be three colleges there, Cleveland State, Baldwin-Wallace, and Walsh Turning Point will be there representing. St. Ignatius High School and their conservative caucus will be there. And a young man that called me earlier, Dakota Sawyer from the Edison uh, Young um, Young Americans for Freedom. He's a uh, freshman at the Edison High School, but he was anxious to to be at the convention, so we'll be looking forward to having him up for a few minutes at the podium and, and hearing about his group and efforts. We're talking to uh, Ronald Zarnecki. He is uh, the president of the North Royalton Republican Club. This event is going to be Saturday at the North Royalton Library, starting at 10 a.m. and running until 4 p.m. You don't have to stay for six hours if you don't want, but stop in for a while, a visit with some people, share some uh, conversation with people who have like ideas. And again, obviously, as uh, Ronald said, this is to promote conservative values and to unite clubs and organizations that uh, uh, that believe in that. 
Uh, Ronald, the reason I wanted to bring you on, and I invited you on today in advance of this thing on Saturday, is I want other groups who may not have heard of this yet. I know you're on Facebook and you're on social media trying to promote this, but I want other groups who might be listening to this show to show, show up as well. What can they do? Do they? How do they contact you if there's anybody else who said, this sounds like a great idea, I want to go out on Saturday and get some representation too? What do they do? You know, honestly, Bob, we're already ready for a much bigger place. We are packed, um, quite full. I I freed up some more speaker time in the uh, breakout room. You know, for these students, high school and college, they sign right. up when they come in. There will be a special room for them. But uh, NorthRoyaltonGOP.com is the website, and they can get all the information there. My information is on the footer, and they can contact me. And, um, yeah, if I can get them up on a podium even for a few minutes and just say they're out there, uh, I'd do that. Yeah, and you know whether they're at the podium or just uh, they just want to come and and meet and listen and talk mm-hmm. to other groups and figure maybe you know talk about co-sponsoring future events or or sharing ideas and 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 hosting meetings together and these sorts of things because I really think that's important. I think we need to kind of coalesce, come together and into one you know giant group at least some of the time. We'll still continue to have our own groups. You know, West Shore will still be West Shore and on down the line. Uh, but but it would be great uh, to be able to have uh, you know some of these groups get together and say hey uh, on a on a more regular basis let's all kind of come together and strengthen solidarity so uh uh, ronald zanaki you heard him you can reach him if you need to uh, by going to the north royalton gop.com page Uh, there's information there on the convention of conservative clubs that's happening on saturday i will be speaking what time did you say you had me slotted in for around uh, noon or 12 40 just before jim renacy and and a quick shout out thank you for salem donation of uh books two signed two of them are signed by michael medved but we'll be raffling those off bottom of every hour. Awesome, that's great, and uh, and I want any of my friends who belong to conservative clubs uh, to uh, to plan on being there. You know, Lisa Woods, our friends at McFan, Medina County Friends and Neighbors, is a great group. Maybe we'll get some people from there to come by and say hello. Uh, Jeff Malik and the uh, Medina County Conservative Coalition. Uh, I've talked to Jeff about this as well. Hopefully, anybody who's listening, who's part of that group, come on out and uh, and and uh, like I said, you don't have to plan on doing anything official, but mill around and meet some great people who are sharing the same ideas and. Uh, uh, and we can row this boat in the same direction. So, yeah, I'll be speaking at 1240. Uh, you heard a lot of the others, Chris Long, David Jenkins, Jim Renacy, Judge Matt Lynch, my friend, uh, ah, is going to be there yeah. as well. Forgot about Judge Lynch. Uh, he's wonderful. So this will be a great uh, great event on Saturday from 10 until 4. If you can come out and spend an hour, if you can come out and spend a few hours, it's uh, it's all, everybody is welcome, and I, uh, and I really hope we get a great turnout there on Saturday. Ron Zardecki, thanks for putting this convention of conservative clubs together. I look forward to seeing you on Saturday. Thanks for having me on. You got it, my friend. Thank you. See you Saturday. All right, buddy. That's uh, Ronald Zarnecki, uh, the conservative. It's a great idea, and it's long overdue. Convention of Conservative Clubs. Ron himself is the president of the North Royalton Republican Club, the North Royalton GOP, or NorthRoyaltonGOP.com. You can see it there. Um, but it's a lot of other conservative groups. Let's bring everybody together and talk about what we can do to support conservative values, conservative ideals. I certainly hope to see uh, uh, some representation of uh, uh, people like uh, Ohio Right to Life uh, should be there as well. Ohio Value Voters, I would hope to see some people there as well. There's just a lot of really good people who are doing great work on their own that can perhaps have their work magnified and uh, and have their work... Um, uh, you know, uh, reach more people uh, by coming together in one location on Saturday. So I hope to see everyone listening to this program there. All right, it's uh, coming up on 10 o'clock. we got top-of-the-hour news, and then a visit from Dr. Everett Piper. 
the president of Ohio Wesleyan University, the author of Not a Daycare. He'll be joining us next on AM 1420. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.